Wait a minute. Cubs win World Series. Against Miami? Yeah, it's something, huh? Who would have thought? Hundreds of one shot. I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season, put some money on the Cubs. Well, I just meant Miami. What did you just say? I said I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season, put some money on the Cubbies. Good morning, and welcome to episode 270 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Uh, I, I kind of have this vague memory of 270 being an in, important number in baseball history, like from my childhood, mm. and I can't imagine what it would be. It's nothing, right? Uh, 270 doesn't mean anything, right? I can't think of it meaning anything, no. I'm pro- I think probably what I'm remembering is like... Uh, I'm guessing that somebody who was a veteran around the time that I was a big card collector uh, probably would have had maybe 270 wins and I saw his baseball card or something. So like maybe it's mm. like Tommy John had 270 wins, something along those lines, mm. uh, which isn't a very big part of baseball history. <laughs> no. Uh, Vernon Wells has 270 career home runs. That's probably it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, it's one of those one of those pantheon numbers. Um, before we before we go, uh, I guess I should just real quickly. Do you have any thoughts about Ryan Dempster being fake suspended? Uh, I, I, you you talk about it first. I was just looking something up. Oh, okay. Ryan Dempster you, you, got suspended yeah. for throwing at Alex Rodriguez, and it's uh, one of those suspensions where it's like it's five days, but because he's mm. a pitcher, all it means is that he'll have to move back a day and. We found out today, uh, I think a lot of us found out today, that players who get suspended for on-the-field behavior don't actually lose their pay, which was kind of surprising to everybody. So mm-hmm. um, he's, in a way, being punished, but really isn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it seemed like a lot of people were upset that he wasn't being punished because of how blatantly he threw at Alex Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I don't care. Do you? Uh, I don't care what, about your opinion. That's what I mean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't following any Twitter outrage. I don't know what people were saying, but um, I, I guess my reaction would be that there should be some real penalty, um, whether it's missing time or losing pay or something, um, because yeah, I don't. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't like. I don't like how arbitrarily it's sort of de- decided whether you get suspended for throwing at a player or not. Mm-hmm. It seems like. Guys throw at players obviously uh, quite a bit, and it only like like it only turns into something if it turns into something, right? Mm-hmm. It like the act itself is not punished. It's that all the it's usually the subsequent things like whether there's outrage or usually whether there's another uh, you know a fight. Mm-hmm. If basically if the batter charges you, you get suspended. But if the batter doesn't charge you, you don't get suspended. And I, I find it kind of arbitrary, and I would like it to be you know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, uniformly, I'm against throwing intentionally at batters, but I'm also kind of against selective prosecution of, of any laws. Mm-hmm. All right, let's it was, it was uh, a, talk about Ian. It was a particularly blatant, intentional one. So uh, yeah, I know, but I don't know. The particularity of it doesn't really sway me. The intention is what sways me. Mm-hmm. Two hundred and seventy right. career wins, by the way. Uh, Burley Grimes and uh, yeah. Mike Messina, one of my favorite mm-hmm. pitchers. Um, I, I guess it's going to remain a mystery. Yeah, uh, I did. I wanted to ask you um, whether, in in light of uh, Jeff Francoeur being designated for assignment, whether this is the end. 
Do you think there's a chance that no, this is the end? Goodness, no. No. How, no. how many? I mean, how many more? Ch- we we talked about whether Delman Young would last to, to 30 or as a major leaguer or past 30. Uh, Jeff Francoeur turns 30 next January. I mean, how many? Realistically, how many more chances can he get? I mean, he's been so so bad for. Some oh, come on! Dontrell Willis is currently pitching in. Okay, I think, but he's a a lefty and a former. Way worse. Way, way, way worse, though. Way worse. Like, you have to go back and, I mean, look at what Dontrell Willis has done. Mm-hmm. He's so much worse than Francoeur. Francoeur is yeah. just, sli- you know, slightly below a credible major but leaguer. The- Dontrell is below a credible international leaguer. I mean, an independent leaguer. Yes. And Francoeur, Francoeur is, I mean, if you trust that Francoeur really is genuinely a good guy, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, you know, I think there's there's you know, reason to believe that there's value to having a good guy. You know, you every team kind of wants to have one of those, and I don't begrudge them that. So, uh, yeah, no, he'll 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 get he'll get some more chances, and I I hope he does. I don't I didn't mind when the Giants traded for him. I don't mind when any team signs him, particularly as long as it's not a three year deal um, or whatever the Royals gave him coming off his sort of one fluky good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, Duntrell, there was always the possibility of a role change where it seemed like he would be a good candidate to be a loogie if he would embrace that. Uh, so there was always that, and he was better to begin with than just the, you know, the lefty pitcher is just a more prized skill set than the outfielder. Yeah, I know. Who, yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But he had, he had, like, last I remember looking at him, he had, like, 32 walks in yeah. 21 innings. Right. Yeah. I, okay. I don't know. I don't know how many more how many more chances he gets at some point some team will say why don't you be a coach for us because you're such a great guy but eh, i don't know maybe okay he'll, he'll get a couple more couple more shots but i don't see it lasting that much longer all right uh so this is the email show although you wouldn't know it uh until now um we got a lot of good questions today so let's just start this one comes from kyle uh hey guys when will every franchise have a world series championship and which will be the last to get one? My guesses are 2041 and Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, P.S. Since you answered my last question, I upheld my promise of considering writing a review on iTunes. And since seeing Ben in real life at the Saber Seminar but being too starstruck to talk to him, I finally did write a review on iTunes. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, so there are what? There are eight eight teams with that one? Yeah, I, yes. I'm, re- I'm regretting. I, I intended before this... Uh, recording, I intended to get a random number generator out yes. and see how long it would take. Yeah, I was thinking that too, right? Because, yeah, because a very long time, right? Uh, certainly, <laughs> I, mean, I would not expect it to happen within 29 years. No. I mean, there's eight teams. You, I, I wouldn't take any eight random teams and say that those eight are likely to win it in the next 29 or whatever years. Right. But and these, these eight teams are not chosen randomly. They are yes. chosen partially because they have uh, either, well, because maybe, you know, arguably they have institutional disadvantages or at mm-hmm. least they don't have glaring advantages that like Boston and New York teams have. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, by the way, it's the, the Rays, Rockies, Mariners, Rangers, Nationals, Padres, Brewers, and Astros. This does get to a question that I, I one, when I started writing about baseball, one of the very first article ideas I had and I never have followed through on it. And every new job I've I've moved to, or every time I've switched computers or whatever, I've carried over this on my list of articles that I want to get to someday. 
it is, um, I wanted to try to figure out whether it was likely that the Royals, this was probably 2009 or so when I had this idea, that the Royals would ever win a World Series title, that the Royals fans, if they lived you know, long enough, would ever get to see it. Mm-hmm. And that seems like, you know, well, sure, in an infinite time timeline, everything will happen. But of course, it's not infinite. There is all, there is the, you know, there will come a day when Major League Baseball no longer exists. And so I wanted to sort of mix a whole bunch of different expert sources to try to figure out how long Major League Baseball is likely to be a going concern mm-hmm. and how likely it is that the Royals will win a World Series in that in that timeline. Um, you know, using a combination of probabilities and sort of organizational, um, uh, you know, uh, strength or, or whatever. And I never got to it, but this is kind of what this question gets to. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the at the basic level, we are completely incapable of predicting who is going to be a favorite um, probably four years out, five years out. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it becomes completely random probably at, well, beyond five yeah, years. Yeah, you could do it based on market size or something, and maybe yeah, yeah. that would be fairly yeah. stable. You could, but you couldn't do it based on general manager or right, even right. really, for the most part, you couldn't even really do it based on, you know, farm system mm-hmm. or anything like that. I mean, there's that's suggested, suggested, but basically not. Um, so, uh, you know, any guesses that we pick for any individual teams would be useless, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, the, it seems like it seems like the the Rangers and the Nationals are in good places and probably will be for a while. Yeah, I think Astros. I mean, I, maybe I thought his his pick of the Brewers was as reasonable a pick as any, just because they yes. aren't in a great spot right now competitively, and they're just a, a tiny market, small lower payroll end of the spectrum so um that seems like a reasonable uh, one but the but i mean it it seems like the odds are against there ever being a time when every franchise has won right i mean it because new franchises will be added contraction or expansion or something will change uh before every one of these wins one i would think um, what, so you what could, do you think are, you could yeah, just go. freeze it and say, well, of the current 30 teams, when will the last one of them win? But I wonder even whether the odds that, that all, that all eight of the remaining ones that haven't won, I wonder whether the odds are in favor of all eight of those winning one before one of them disappears somehow. Well, uh, if they move, it would still carry over. Yeah. Right. So they would have to be contracted, and so far it's it's been a very long time since a baseball organization ceased to exist, like more than a century, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, you know, I don't I don't know how likely it is. It seems fairly unlikely. It seems like a baseball organization is a is a billion dollar value, and there's always a city that's going to be clamoring for that. Mm-hmm. So my guess is that we are not probably in danger at this point of having any organization cease to exist. I do think that between the Rays, the Brewers, and the Padres, um, there's a pretty good chance that one would move mm-hmm. before winning it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know which of those three. I mean, I guess the, the smart money would be on the Rays, right? Yes, probably. Um, but, yeah, pro- there's. I guess what we're agreeing is that there is probably currently a baseball city that will never get to hoist a flag. Yeah, that seems reasonable to me. Um, so if we want, if we want to put a, a year on, on the current thirty franchises and the eight yeah. that haven't won, 
do we do we want to even hazard a guess or uh... I'd guess uh, you know there's right now there's one team with a drought longer than 60 plus years uh-huh. uh, and I would guess that the odds are not good that one of our eight would be the outlier drought team uh-huh. um, so but on the other hand I think 29 is far too short so I would guess uh, something like 2070 I'd feel okay yeah although there's a, you know there's but, a lot more teams now right a lot yeah, of the, you know the, the, thing. Mm-hmm. the drought yeah I mean you know there there's 30 teams there used to be 16 so so now I'm gonna adjust I'm gonna adjust quite a bit upward mm-hmm. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say that uh, this would be very easy to figure out mathematically but I will guess that it does not happen within the century everyone who's listening to this podcast will be dead uh well I'm at the end of this current century so no uh okay but if if I if you want me to say within a century mm-hmm. I think that the I think that a person who's listening to this podcast will live to 120 yeah that seems reasonable sure so yeah no so you will I think that somebody listening to this podcast will celebrate the World Series championships of the Texas Rangers Houston Astros Milwaukee Brewers San Diego Padres Washington Nationals Seattle Mariners Colorado Rockies and Tampa Bay Rays. Well, but I, only one. Only one. I hope when that happens, that person thinks of us. If if we're not, it, if they we're, better review us on iTunes. Yeah. That's that's you owe us. If you, yes, right. When that happens, you owe us an iTunes review. Hopefully, the archives will still be available. Um, okay, next question comes from. Do you want to just for fun? Do you want to pick the team you think will be last? Uh, I think the Brewers makes the most sense. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, sure. I'll um, say the Brewers. Okay. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Eli in Manchester, Connecticut. Sam and Ben, if you two could use Kickstarter to make an improvement to Major League Baseball, what would your Kickstarter project be for? I like this question. Do you have one? Well, uh, sort of. I, I changed it a little bit. I couldn't really think of a Kickstarter that, uh, that would make a direct improvement to the game on the field. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether you would need a Kickstarter for that, just because. I, I, I mean, Major League Baseball has a lot of money. Uh, the thing that that came to mind for me was things that we could do in the baseball community, um, kind of outside the industry, to to improve uh, the information available to us and and our analysis and experience of the game. And I think a, a cool Kickstarter would be if we were to fund uh, big, time-intensive data collection projects um, that a lot of teams currently do with, with an army of interns or just with data that they have access to that we don't. Uh, but, you know, if we wanted to, uh, I guess a, a few years ago, uh, there was something like this. I think it was organized by... MGL, Mitchell Lichman, and and possibly John Dewan, where it was like a precursor to Baseball Inflow Solutions hang time data, where uh, they just paid people a certain amount per hour to to do batted ball hang times on on outfield fly balls, just to to improve a defensive metric, and and I participated in that, and it was very boring, um, but but presumably it helped someone, so I feel like we could do this sort of thing if we wanted to with you know, home to first times or catcher pop times or catcher throwing accuracy or fielder, outfielder throws, all of those 
sort of things that uh, some teams have access to and some teams have have quantified, we we could do that if we wanted to. If we wanted to to put up the money, I almost as I was thinking of this, I almost just wanted to write up the thing myself and do it uh, because it would be cool. So that was what came to mind for me. Mine were more along the lines of data generation, I would okay. say, data data production. Um, one is, and I've said this, I think once on this podcast, and I said it once in a chat, it's kind of a, a, a an ongoing thing that I desire. It's um, one of those 360 cameras that you can control. Um, uh-huh. uh, I want to have those all over the field. I basically want to be able to go back in time uh, and watch any play from any angle mm. um, and look at any fielder from any angle and they have these cameras that are quite capable of doing that I don't know where you would put them to make them uh, non-disruptive in the field mm-hmm. but I basically want to be able to on any play go back and look at the left fielder um, and see what he's doing and you know I think that there's uh, there's uh, uh, analytical value to that however I don't anticipate using it for analysis I anticipate using it for entertainment mm-hmm. um, and for writing um, but you know it's, it would create a, a tremendous amount of if not exactly data a lot of anecdote um, and the other thing that I would want is uh, and I, this is more realistic I think uh, is to somehow pay to have uh, basically every game that MLB uh, has in any archive anywhere mm-hmm. uh, put on the internet mm. uh, for watching for MLB.tv subscribers. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I assume they have thousands and thousands and thousands. Like, yep. I would I would assume that the entire 1992 season survives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would like to have all those, every single one of them, all of them online yeah. all the time. Good one. Very good one. Um, people can send us suggestions for, for things that they would like to see, or they can just... Or money. Yeah. Or, just send us money. Or money. Uh, or, we don't have a Kickstarter account, but we have an address. <laughs> we'll use it responsibly. Um, okay, uh, this question comes from John. Uh, it's another one about the Brewers. I'm a fan of a team most people aren't talking about right now, but we are, uh, quite rightly, because they are awful, the Brewers. But that has me thinking about the question of how much I should want the Brewers to win. Basically, for non-playoff teams, is the added revenue that comes from each win a bigger deal, or is a higher draft pick more important? Do you, philosophically, do you have uh, any thoughts about just the idea of rooting against your team in a lost season? Like, like it, let's start, just before we talk, answer his question, let's start with the premise. Like, let's just pretend this was the NBA and there was a real advantage. Um, oh, I, I assume there's an advantage in the NBA, I honestly don't know. Uh <laughs> If if there was a real advantage, would you be able to do it? You don't root for anybody anymore. But if yeah, you not did. really. Um, I don't think I could do it really convincingly. I think I could do it kind of intellectually, abstractly, where it wouldn't really bother me if they lost. But if I were really rooting for a team and they were trying to come from behind and had a rally started or something, I'd I'd probably just want them to win. I tried one time. I don't remember the context. I don't know if it was about a draft pick thing or if it was something else. But for some reason, I had a self-interest in rooting against the team that I normally root for. 
and the effect was that I realized how pointless rooting is. Mm-hmm. Like I real like like for the first time in my life, it became clear to me that I did not actually have a role in the game, and that my rooting, which felt important all along, was actually just nothing but like into the void. And so, uh, like it takes a tremendous amount of delusion to to cheer for a team. Um, and I lost that delusion when it got too calculated. Mm. Uh, but anyway, all right, so that's the philosophy. I My thinking on this is that um, there's no real benefit to rooting against your team to get a higher draft pick um, in baseball. Um, even really, you know, I guess that there's maybe a little bit if you're the number uh, two team yeah. or the number three team and you might get the number one. I mean, there's yes. there's been shown to be a, a, a real advantage getting the number one pick. Right. And, and particularly if you're a fan, you're likely to know the guy who's going to go number one in a lot of years, mm-hmm. but you're not going to know the guys who go two and three. And so just from an enjoyment factor or an anticipation factor, you're quite likely, you're, you, it's very easy to fixate on that guy. I remember a friend uh, was a Padres fan during the Strasburg year and they, I think the Padres ended up with the third pick that they used on Donovan Tate. Um, and they were in the running for Strasbourg, and, and that seemed fairly rational. That's a very rare occurrence, though. I think that the the exception, though, uh, is that there is a real value to having the 10th pick instead of the 11th. Mm, um, it's because it's protected. Because it, it's protected. And, and if you're the 11th worst team in baseball, you're actually close enough to competing that you might actually want that free agent. If you're the fourth, you know, the third, the 26th best team, you're not really. You're not going to get a free agent. But if you're like, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12... That's a team that could conceivably see itself as being a contender, especially when you look at teams like you know the Giants and the Phillies and the Angels this year. Um, so I would say that if I were the eleventh, uh, if I had if if I was if my team was in line to get the eleventh pick, or maybe the twelfth, uh, I would spend the last week of the season actively rooting against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems reasonable to me. Offhand, I don't really know whether the Brewers are on one of those bubbles, but probably uh, maybe the second one. Um, so yeah, I guess if you're, if you're on the verge of, of one of those, one of those spots, uh, then it makes sense. Otherwise, probably not worth rooting for. Um, okay. Daryl asks, do you think batting average with runners in scoring position could be to a team what BABIP is to a player? That is, could it be an indication that they may be playing or scoring runs above or below their true talent level? I'm thinking specifically of the Cardinals' unusually high batting average with runners in scoring position and Pirates' unusually low this season. Or do you think that a team like the Cardinals may be doing something as a group that allows them to somehow sustain that high batting average with runners in scoring position? The Brewers currently are in line to have the fifth pick, but the difference between the fifth and the tenth right now is like a game and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so, so this question... The answer, I guess, is yes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think it's the, not the a, it is the closest equivalent to it. Yeah. yeah uh, there's not really any consistency in, in this in batting average with runners in scoring position from year to year. Uh, the Cardinals entering Tuesday's game were hitting an incredible 329 in uh, runner in, in those situations. The next next highest team, the Tigers, are at 286. Uh, and then the lowest were the Cubs at 222 and the Pirates at 224. Obviously, the the Cardinals and the the Tigers are just good offensive teams, so you would expect them to to hit better than average in those situations, but not by that much. So, so yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there are yeah. there are certain types of players uh, who 
tend to like perform better in clutch situations. It's like is it's like lefties or something who take advantage of the of the whole the, the lack of shift. Yeah, for right. Uh, so it's not actually clutchness so much as it is just a inherent advantage of those types of players, and maybe certain teams could have more of those types of players, so that would be sort of real. But uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's a pretty pretty good team level analog for Babbitt. Um, and that's why smart people go beyond run differential yeah. in evaluating teams, and why I should. But I don't. <laughs> uh, okay, I kind of like this question from Izzy. Hypothetically, let's say there was a pitcher who only had one pitch, a four-seam fastball with average movement. However, this pitcher had impeccable command and could literally put the ball wherever he wanted. How hard would this pitcher need to throw to make the majors? How hard would he need to throw to be an average MLB pitcher? How about in order to be the best pitcher in baseball? Uh, the first question. The first question. Do you think the first question is different than? Uh, how hard would he have to throw in order to be good enough to make the majors? Like, like I, a pitcher who only threw one pitch and it was a straight fastball. Um, and like, let's say the answer is he could be a uh, replacement level pitcher throwing. I, I'll just throw this out there: eighty-one. Uh, do you think that guy would actually get a chance? Like, he'd be good enough to be a replacement level, but do you think that guy would ever get even past Double A? Uh, no. I mean, there'd be just—it would be so hard for him to, uh, to convince any scout or anybody in the organization to continue promoting him. I mean, the results would have to be completely lights out at every level to get a promotion. I mean, if he only has one pitch and it's a four-seam fastball with average movement, then I mean, he's going to have to throw really, really hard to get a, a shot. I mean, like. It's probably the most important if one pitch you could have is a is a four seam fastball with with perfect control. I mean that gets you a lot of the way. Um, but to have absolutely nothing to to play off of that pitch, it, I mean just to just to make it, I feel like I I don't know. I feel like just to make it, you'd need to be like a triple digit guy. Well, okay, so, I mean, this is what I'm saying, though, is when you say make it, do you mean be good enough or actually make it? Uh, Like, do we need to draw a distinction there? Well, I feel like you could have, I mean, if you, I don't know, if you had a guy who threw 105 or something and he was going to set a record but wasn't actually a good pitcher, um, I feel like maybe some team would just call him up in September and just let him throw 105 and people would come out and ooh and ah over You're that. You're saying 105 though. I'm imagining a guy who's throwing 83. Like yeah. I think that the answer to re- so you're replacement saying, level So are you I think the Yeah, go ahead. So well, do you think a guy who throws 83 would ever be anywhere close to consideration if that's all well, he has? I mean for I don't think he would be close to yeah, consideration. I feel like he doesn't get I, anywhere close. I, no, but I think that he might actually be good enough to be replacement level. Uh, That's where I'm drawing the distinction. I, 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 my guess is that if he could actually put it exactly where he wanted, like not miss by even an inch, yeah. Um, that yeah, I think a guy who threw 83 and had perfect command, I think he could be replacement level. 
Okay, then. So in that case, then you would say that a guy who does that and throws like what ninety could be a, a good pitcher. I uh, I don't know if I would say ninety, but I would say ninety two would be good. Uh-huh. And I would say ninety uh, eight could be the best pitcher in the game. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. My my initial thought was was that it would have to be like like the fastest fastball ever for him to to be good. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong about that. I don't know. It is it is the most I mean just a a pitch that's moderately hard and can be placed perfectly would be really effective. I mean even if it doesn't have I don't know. I mean, I guess Rivera is the comparison who has about as close to perfect control as as any pitcher does, and this theoretical pitcher would have better control than Rivera, um, or better command than Rivera. So, so if he has better command than Rivera and he has a pitch that's say the same speed, I don't know. It's just that Rivera is a is a one inning at a time guy. So. We're talking about best pitcher in baseball. That's that's a that's a starter who can go through a lineup a few times. Yeah, well, this guy's not really going to be at any more of a disadvantage after four times through the lineup than he is the first time. He's only got one pitch, and it's not deceptive mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to be good because it's hard to guess location, mm-hmm. and if you know, I mean, I I think that I think that. Um, I don't know this, but I think that location is more uh, deceptive than different pitches. Like, I would rather have a guy who could uh, command to all four corners than a guy who had four different pitches. Personally, yeah. Now, what worries me is that this is that you know it's it's not a four seamer with a lot of movement. So you know, we're not talking Kenley Jansen or anything like that. Yeah, that somewhat worries me. But I mean, I'm just imagining that. Well, and it also worries me to some degree that it it is uh, not going to be a swing and miss pitch. So basically, you take out all the walks. This guy never walks anybody. doesn't strike out many guys, but he does strike out some. And then you're left with, with Babbitt, right? And mm. you just hope that not too many of those balls go over the fence. But, I mean, you know, come on. It, nobody can hit a pitch that is a pitch that is at the low and inside, at, at any of the four corners. It's really hard to hit. I mean, those mm-hmm. are hard pitches to hit. And if you don't even know which corner it's going to, I just don't think guys would have that much success against that pitcher. Mm-hmm. Now, if he's throwing 83, they'd have quite a bit of success. I'm, yes. I'm putting that at replacement level. But if he's throwing 92? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the the cliche saying is that is that major league batters can time any speed uh, and that you can't just have a really good fastball and and survive on that alone that you have to have something to to go with it and make it play up but that is in the universe in which pitchers don't have perfect command so it doesn't doesn't really apply Uh, or really anything close to perfect command like yeah pitchers don't even have good command right yeah particularly Mm -hmm. uh yeah i don't know it's an interesting interesting question thought-provoking izzy uh, we got a lot of other good questions this week, but we're not going to answer them now. Maybe we'll answer via email or get to them in future episodes. Uh, so you can send us some more for next time at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. A reminder to join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. 
and do what Kyle did and rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, we will be back tomorrow.